Um, we finished the book of Joshua that in December. That was the Old Testament book that we studied. So like we always do, we're going to go to um, the New Testament now, and we're going to the book of Timothy. Um, uh, first Timothy, First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. Those three books are right together in your Bible. They come after uh, after uh, they come after First and Second Thessalonians, um, and before the little book of Philemon and Hebrews, which is a long one. But it's kind of over in that second half of our New Testament. It's different from the other epistles because the other epistles are written to churches. So it's written to a large group of people. And First and Second Timothy and Titus are written to two young men who are protégés of Paul. Uh, he calls them his sons in the ministry. And so uh, when we get to First Timothy... Uh, some things to keep in mind are that uh, we talk sometimes about who wrote these things. Well, if you look at Timothy, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, to Timothy. Um, a lot of times scholars want to challenge what's written. And because of the way it's written, they say it's different from any of the other Paul's other letters. But if I write a letter to um, if I write a letter to the parole board about somebody, and I write as a licensed professional counselor, I write very different from how I'd write a letter to Dale. Um, totally different kind of wording. Talk about different things, and because of things that Dale and I know and have talked about before. I may not go into great detail about something, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And that's different from how he would write to people that like write to the church at Corinth. Um, that's one of the things I've said about Hebrews. They said Paul couldn't have written Hebrews. The, the Greek is totally different. But my language is totally different. So when we look at 1 Timothy, I say that because of their close relationship, Timothy had been with Paul on several of his journeys. Paul was, well, the first time that Paul was in prison, Timothy stayed with him the whole time and helped get him fed and all those kind of things. That was when Paul was chained to the wall in, in Rome. Um, they were very close, and so the kind of letter that he'd write would be totally different. Furthermore, Paul left him in charge of the church at Ephesus. Timothy was actually the pastor there. So he writes to him in a totally different way than he'd write to a group of people that he was uh, to a church group. So Timothy is the pastor there. He, um, it's written somewhere probably between his first imprisonment in the early 60s and the, his later imprisonment when it, right before he's executed in 68 or 69. 069, not 1969. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, so, uh, and, and when you consider all that, some of the objections that they have about the kind of, that Paul couldn't have written it, it's explained and all that. He wrote it in between those two deals because he got, 
he is actually released from prison and made visited some other churches. So, 1 Timothy, verse 1. Oh, it's not turned on. Okay, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So he's establishing who he is first. Paul wasn't an apostle like all, like the other 12 apostles. Paul was called in a different way and, and for a different time and for a different purpose even. To Timothy, a true son in the, in the faith. Like I said, he's been with Paul about 20 years or will be with Paul for almost 20 years by the time it's all done. But a true son in the faith. Um, Pam's dad had a few people that he called sons in the face. Uh, when you when you raise somebody up and have and get to see them fulfill what God's purpose is in their lives, you have a different kind of relationship with them. Similar, um, the rest of it is uh, similar to all of Paul's other writings. The beginning of a letter: grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. And Jesus Christ our Lord. And then it gets to be personal. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Um, so that was his job, that he was supposed to stay in Ephesus and make sure that the church stayed on track like they were supposed to. Because, like any church left to its own devices, it can wander off, and especially in a new, in a new religion, a new way of interpreting the revelation of God. I mean, almost anything could happen, and what they call apostasy, falling away. Um, was common, especially once, this is around the time that Nero is the emperor in Rome. And Nero was persecuting Christians all over the place. And one of the things that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is about, is that you can't go back to the old way. You can't, that, that thing, if it's, if it's too hot, get out of the kitchen, that it, it, I've said that before, their faith got to be kind of hot. A Christian was a hot thing, and literally they were getting burned up. And so some of them were saying, I think I'm just going to go back to being a Jew. It's pretty bad, but at least it's easier than being a Christian. He said, you can't do that. You can't go backwards. So, But there were ways that they were trying to justify an easier life or a different kind of life, and philosophy played a big a big role in getting people off track. And the Greeks invented philosophical discussion. Um, and just like we have today where they say, you can't believe in this hocus pocus and these miracles. Not that, that magic doesn't happen. People do that philosophically. They have problems with the gospel. And Paul, uh, Paul's telling Timothy, don't let them get straight off. Um, this idea, give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Have any of y'all watched the movie The Chosen? And see how they argue over little bits of 
scripture and and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Um, I y'all may not have dealt with that, but I dealt with that a lot when I was in college. Um, inter- biblical interpretation and things like that. So much argument over things, and he says, "Don't let don't let people get stuck on that." And that was a very Jewish idea: was to argue about just argue. Um, debate stuff, debate endlessly. And a lot of so-called scholars do that just almost naturally, which only causes disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Edification doesn't mean education. In my brain, it's still, I know the difference, but I, it's still, I still think that way. It means building up. Edification, whenever you see that, it means building up. Godly building up, not just stupid arguments about stuff. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience. Um, The idea of a good conscience is a huge thing because that's that's a God-given gift that we have that challenges us on our morality and our... um, challenges us to do better, be better people. Um, so don't just skip over that, the idea of a good conscience and from conscience and from sincere faith from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. That's those arguments and genealogies. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understand neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. That was a a problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees, arguing about silly stuff and and leading people astray. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. What's the purpose of the law? To show us our sin. Show us our what? Sin. Sin. Yeah, it tells you what's wrong. It's the measure. Uh, You go, nope, that ain't... That ain't good. That's bad. That's all that the law is good for. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. What does that mean? Righteous in Christ. That's one of the things it means. The law can't save. Yes. The law isn't for... it. Well, it is for... It's not for a righteous person to make them righteous because only Jesus makes us righteous. The problem was with that the Pharisees had and people like that, religious people had, was that they thought they were righteous and they didn't need, they didn't need the law anyway. Um, it, it was like the rule book for them, but they were perfect. So they were righteous on their own. So it's no good for the right, that kind of righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinates, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for the holy and profane, so, because it tells you what's wrong. It, all of these things are in the Ten Commandments. The, the, so the, the, the basic version of the law is talked about in all these things. Um, uh, the unholy and profane, that's, that's deals with those first four commandments. For, for murderers and fathers, that's starting to deal, deal with the next, the next six. And murderers of mothers, manslayers, fornicators, for sodomites, kidnappers. Don't, don't steal. Don't steal kids and each other's prop, slaves and wives and whatever, kidnappers. 
for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Brother Steve, notice the way that that's changed. What? That, that's... Before it was Jesus Christ, now it's Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus. Right. But he said, and I think Christ Jesus our Lord who enabled me, it's from the Messiah side. Right, right. The, so the emphasizing that is Christ, <clears throat> not the man part. Yes. And there's a lot of that in this letter yeah. there about his 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 man. Hood and his godhood, both of those things. Um, although I was, okay, so there, here's the contrast that he has between those so-called righteous people and who he says he is. For I, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So he's not making excuses for what he did before, but he said, I, I didn't know any better. But, but I didn't fix it by obeying some rules either. I didn't know any better. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. God only gets the glory Because he is a sole source of salvation, not God plus anything else. Some people think that when he said he's chief of sinners, that he's still a sinner. No, he's talking about his past sure. life. Sure. But they take it that he is now calling himself a sinner. No. And that's wrong. No. He's still sinned. Yes, I, yes. Uh, but he wasn't a sinner anymore. Right. He wasn't. He was comparing himself to those ten things that was up above. Exactly. Yes, and that's he was chief. But he sin. was also comparing himself in the negative with those people that thought that righteousness was within them. He said, "I didn't have any of that because of all I was chief of. If there was ever a sinner, I was the highest one on the. I was the best sinner there was. But it isn't. He's talking in the past tense, most definitely, and that's in the Greek. You can tell that for sure. Um, but the point it, that he's making is, God only with the, with this ending. To God, who alone is wise, be glory and forever and ever. God only, not God plus anything else. And we've got people, Christians now, that still believe that 
they've got to do what they add their whatever their two cents worth is. When it comes to gaining something of great value, how much is two cents worth? Like if Jimmy gave me a Cadillac and I said, well, Jimmy, I just can't possibly take that take that from you. But I take those keys and I go, here, let me just pitch in a little and I give him two cents worth. <laughs> that cheapens the gift that he's given me by me having in my mind some way that I've, you know, I've done my part for it that way, the two cents worth. That's, we have, still have Christians today that think the same way, though, that think that they've got to do whatever it takes, do the right things, yeah. not wear makeup, not, uh, you know, not get your hair cut or don't get your hair cut or whatever the rules are, those extra things, that's my two cents worth. They have worth. <laughs> that, that they have worth. They add, only... they add they worth. They add worth. Right, okay. In, in just, uh, you know. Yeah. You know, or this, or this generation... They see that they have evil in them, but they think, you know, it's like a 75-25 or 50-50. <laughs> so Jesus is covering that part that's evil. You're still good in me. And that's, that's kind of how they're seeing things. Right. Not realizing when Adam and Eve made from the tree of life, uh, knowledge of good and evil, even the good is evil without Christ. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. He wants the best. Yes. Because we'll use it for our own gain rather than for him. Yeah. And... <laughs> Our our goodness is filthy rags, the scripture says. Um, so I can I can make something of my own life with the good stuff, and if I can somehow ignore the, all the bad stuff in my life, I can make the least little good from it. But Romans eight twenty eight says God takes the good stuff and the bad stuff and puts it all together and makes it more than we could even make. If all we ever had was good stuff, God makes more of it than we could possibly make of it. Um, without God, filthy rags, used toilet paper is the is what Paul's talking about there. Um, it was like the rags around the, 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 the sacrifice, all that blood. Yeah. That's what it felt. It was yeah. filthy. Yeah. Life is the blood. So is death. <laughs> That's right. Death. So, um, Paul sets all this up about what he's trying to encourage Timothy to stay the course on all this. Um, he, I mean, Timothy already knows all this stuff, but he's reminding him, him of it. And he says, the final part of uh, chapter 1 is verse 18 here. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy. Son Timothy. Um, and he doesn't say that lightly. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, over in chapter 4, we'll see a little bit more about that. But some prophecies have been made about Timothy that he is calling his attention to. Don't forget, um, there's been a few prophetic things in my life that God calls my mind back to and says, don't forget what I said about that. Um, and 
Paul's reminded Timothy of that. According to prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, there it is again, uh, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. A good conscience is the is like a rudder on a ship that that keeps us steered in the right going in the right direction if we'll pay attention to it um, and without it shipwreck. Uh, James talks about the the rudder on a ship and how important it, it is and how just a small relatively small piece of wood could steer a big ship. Um, I'm reminded of the Bismarck, the giant battleship that the Germans had in World War II that was brought the hood down, sank in uh, three minutes, everyone but one person lost uh, on this battleship, British battleship, all brought down by a World War I torpedo that hit the rudder, and it and it couldn't turn. It could only go in a circle. It just round and round in a circle. Um, shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander. We don't know exactly who those people are, but they were probably because Paul, and they, one of them is mentioned somewhere else at one, one time, but um, they were apparently the teachers of the false doctrine um, works going back to being Jewish or that you had to be Jewish first and then become a Christian. Uh, but he says, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, their shipwreck, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. He put those guys outside the fellowship so that they couldn't teach anymore. He couldn't stop them from teaching. They could still go out there and teach, but he, they weren't going to do it from inside the church and talk that mess anymore. He wasn't going to allow that to happen. Um, so he kicked them out, removed them from the fellowship. <clears throat> Which Chapter 2 is just a couple of paragraphs. Two things in it. He says, therefore, I exert first of all. So he's, he's given him a list of things. T Timothy, two things here in chapter two. First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For everybody. Um, some people think that he's just talking about praying for lost people, and I think that that's some of it. But I think the distinction between Jews and Greeks, between uh, Gentiles and people of the Hebrew faith or, he, or Hebrew lineage, the sons of Abraham, uh, he's saying, pray, you got to pray for all men. For, I think this is a word for us these days because the church has started to separate groups, one group from another. And this is, he says, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, even Emperor Nero. You're supposed to pray for those guys too. Um, 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. If we have a, if there is a, if there is a premier verse, that needs to, that's it. Uh, that's verse two. Pray for all men, kings and everybody in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So being able to just live a peaceable life as Christians doing what we do. Pray for people in authority. Pray that that we can continue doing that. Um, That means we pray for the president right now, uh, uh, whoever party is in control. We pray for Congress and all those. Um, I think that's a word for the church today. And as we go into next year's, it doesn't mean that we, that we agree or we're tolerant about that, but we are supposed to pray for them. I think we're supposed to pray for pastors too. Amen. They're in authority, but in school teachers, principals, superintendents, Yes. All those people in authority from the lowest place to the highest. Yep. Because, and like teachers, because of the impact that they have on our Children, kids. Yes. We've got good, I'm thankful for a good school and Christian people in that school. Um, and and for, for superintendents and principals who do their best to uh, uphold us as, as a Christian community. Um, when they're attacked all the time. Um, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we pray for those people to get saved, even even presidents. Um, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. So there's his manhood, manly, manhood and his godhood all wrapped up in one right there. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. That was his main calling was to preach to Gentiles. Um. We've got to be saved and then come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. There's two things there. People can get saved and never come to the knowledge of the truth. Say more about that. Yeah, just, you know, used to, they got saved to go to heaven. Right. And, you know, these preachers that went from town to town, they just had a little time to preach. And they'd baptize them, and those people would... (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And that's all they... That those people ever got that you know I've talked about the sheep dip the baptistry that was a sheep dip yeah. people went out one side and yeah, out the out the door of the church on the other side even yeah. um, so that's ta- task number one and he does end up saying pray for Gentiles to be saved um, that was his main ministry and but, well why well because there weren't Jew- it wasn't predominantly a Jewish culture. It was a Greek, Roman Greek culture, um, especially there in Ephesus. The, so what, who they're dealing with is people who are, um, who are worshiping uh, the goddess Diana. 
Uh, Diana, I think that may, uh, I think that may have been the the one at Ephesus, which is where he is. I mean, they were primarily a Greek, and they were heathens, absolute heathens. Yeah, I've often wondered why the Lord called Peter to the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles. <laughs> why? Peter, Peter was not a learned man. He was a common man. That's right. And he couldn't have made the legal arguments, no, kind of, no. uh, the, uh, the informed, logical arguments that Paul made. Um, so task number one that he says, pray for all men and don't get sidetracked with these Jews that want to just go back to being Jews. Um, it's Jesus for Gentiles as well as Jews. Um, so that's task number one, pray for all men. Second, verse eight, uh, I desire therefore that Men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So we can't lift up holy hands like this it, to the government? <laughs> if, if you read, uh, if you have a study Bible and has notes there, you know you need to know how to throw out some of those notes. Um, and so if you have a dispen, or if you have a... Uh, Tulip. If you have a, a commentator, if you have a commentator that is of the mainline, non-charismatic, they will explain away what raising hands means. But how many of you know that raising hands means raising hands? Yes. It's okay. not some figurative. It's not some figurative thing or anything like that. I'll raise um, hands in my heart. Yeah. I, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Lifting holy hands without wrath and doubting. Without wrath. Don't lift up holy hands in wrath and don't lift up holy hands doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. This is simple, simple. Men need to act this way. Women act this way. Men, be holy. Don't be afraid to... Don't be afraid to surrender with your hands up. Um, and women, don't go crazy. Y'all settle down a little bit. Be dressed modestly. Why did he tell them to dress modestly? Because that, they didn't dress modest when, when they were in their Greek festivals. And a lot of them were still they trying to do their Greek. At all. What? They didn't dress at all, pretty much, in in their Greek festival. Even when they <laughs> even when they were wearing clothes, they d weren't totally clothed. And so he says, everybody just settle down. Settle down. Women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with propriety, and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Don't there again, don't go crazy, but because there's such a difference between the wealthy people and the poor people, just be kind of plain. Um, now, you take some people that make that their whole doctrine. Yes, that's true. Uh, everybody knows people that go to church. You can go in Walmart and tell who's who. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can't, wear can't wear rings, can't wear pants. And I, uh, there's a lot of those people, they need to be wearing pants. If they're up uh, working up on the roof, they don't need to be wearing a dress. But I've seen them do it. Go swimming. Men or women, they don't need to be on the roof wearing a dress. 
but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Okay, here's where we're going to get in a fight. Verse 11. <laughs> Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Paul did not mean that women couldn't talk in church. In Corinthians, he says these, the same thing, but in that same deal, he says, when women prophesy, they need to prophesy with a covering. So he's not saying you're supposed to be quiet, silent in church. Timothy knew what he was talking about. Timothy had probably already read 1 Corinthians before, and he knew that he didn't mean women can't talk at all. He says, let a woman learn in silence with all submissions. There was some particular problem that Timothy was having. He says, just tell them women to be quiet for a while. Um, and, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Um, if you look at uh, the Greek there, he said, I don't permit a woman to be the teach, to be the primary teacher, um, to take over a meeting and start doing all the talking. Um, uh, and have authority over men, but to be in silence. Um, that I believe that was for a particular problem that Timothy was having. Do you think he was taken from back under the law? Do you say again? Do you think he was looking back to the under the law? He was looking back to the Paul? For that, yes. He hadn't got over women. Well... Um, <laughs> Some people want to say that's the deal. I don't think Paul, Paul also said, I don't, I don't consider male or female. Well, that's true. In Galatians, yeah. I don't, he said, I just don't consider the differentiation but in, in all those things. in this setting, in teaching, that had to be done. Well, he looked, no, he looked all the way back to Adam and Eve. That's what he's saying next. Yeah. Well, yeah, he went, that's went true. Before okay. Yeah. But. Whatever he means, he doesn't mean women aren't supposed to ever talk in the church, ever, ever, ever. Or they can teach you, they can teach boys once uh, until they get to be six years old or the age of accountability or something like that, and then they can't teach anymore. Um, I, I know groups that that's the rule that they have. Church of Christ does that. Women can't teach once a boy gets to be a certain age. Well, they, they can't teach boys. They can teach children and boys up to a certain deal. And then those women can't teach a boy anymore. And it's caught, part of it's because of this right here. Um, he's, I mean, he could have said, you know about me and that I don't permit a woman to be the primary teacher in, the, in a fellowship. Uh, for Adam, it says... For Adam was formed first, then Eve. That's why some churches don't believe in women pastors. Right. But I never, I never, I never did absorb authority in the respect of the business of the church. Uh -huh. There's administrators. The Bible says right. there's giftings, and so as a pastor, I took care of the word. Right. So I, you know, but they use this scripture for that. Sure. 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 Um, there's a big, there's a huge fight going on in the Baptist church right now still. I mean, Southern Baptists have been fighting since 1979, yeah. um, huge. And that's one of the big things and one of the reasons a lot of churches are breaking away is because they, or they get kicked out because they hire a, have a woman, ordain a woman as a deacon, ordain a woman 
It says deaconess is in the New Testament. They can't call a woman a pastor, even a children's pastor. Right. And that's... They can't that's, call them a pastor. So, that's, and that's not every Baptist church, no. but... But that, that is a... a that is a, a thread that's going through the leadership. But that's not what he's talking about. For Adam was right. from first, then Eve. Well, Dr. Cho sent women to the mission field, and then later he'd send a man. But the women broke the ground. Okay, just like the woman at the well probably broke yes, the ground in yes. Samaria. For Adam was born first, then Eve. That's no, there's no doubt about that. Adam was born first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Does that mean Adam's okay and Eve's not okay? Because Adam followed after. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 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 he did the worst sin. He did it with eyes wide open. Yeah. yeah. So this is not saying that women are more deceived than men. I think he's yeah. just saying the responsibility has to fall on one person. And since Adam was the first person to be born, responsibility falls upon him. He was right. the head. And yeah. so Eve messed up one time, but it says, nevertheless, she'll be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. that Does that mean women are saved by having children? What if you don't have it? What if you haven't had any kids? Then you can't be saved. That doesn't make any sense at all. I believe what he's saying is, yeah, Eve messed up, but she's, look at all the men that she's born into the world, all the children that she's born into the world. She doesn't get saved that way. She has, her salvation doesn't come that way. But there is a certain saving grace for her because she's they're, they're mothers and they brought kids into the world. But that doesn't mean that that's the method by which women achieve salvation is because they have children. That's, Maybe he was looking at the emotional part. What? The emotions of Eve. Because Adam should have said, no, we're not going to partake of that. Mm. I think Adam had emotions too, and yeah, that's probably what yeah, caused anger. him to. That's emotion. Well, yeah. Which is just as bad as, you know, women go off one direction or another, so. Right. But the woman's called the weaker vessel. Whatever it was, Peter, was, I mean, whatever it was, Timothy was having particular problems with a woman. He says, just tell them to be quiet for a little while. Um, but it obviously doesn't mean women are always supposed to be quiet. So that's the end, verse 15 of chapter 2. And we'll start with chapter 3 next time. Um, let, me, let me pray for us and then we're going to have a little break here. Um, yeah, we'll be done with the set. Uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you uh, for the Holy Spirit who leads us into understanding. Without that, we don't have any understanding. Um, as, a, as a result of, of your word and your revelation of yourself to us, Lord, I pray that we would be just fired up to, as we go into this new year, that we would Share what has ha what Jesus has done in our own life. Share it to the extent that people around us who need Jesus as much as we do, um, that we're inspired to to just share it with them. Uh, 
where salvation comes from. Not, not, salvation, not just salvation for one day, but the salvation that we have temporally in this life right now, that, that uh, life with Jesus is the only way to go. Bless us, we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.